Okay, this morning we are kind of taking a break in our, our series that we've been going through about dealing with our issues. We'll pick that up later because we still have some issues we need to deal with, right? So we'll pick that up later. But this morning is set aside. Uh, today is the National Recognition of the Voice of the Martyrs International Day of Prayer as we intercede for our Christian brothers and, and sisters around the world that are under persecution, that uh, some places it's illegal to be Christian, uh, that is still going on. Um, other places it's not illegal, but there are tremendous amounts of persecution. And our focus this morning, uh, we'll see later on, is on a young man by the name of Sejuan. We forget when we think about the persecuted church that we often think of adults that are going through that persecution, right? We've seen stories of them running Bibles and stuff, but we forget that there are children that are being persecuted. And as we think about that, you know, I think about my own children and grandchildren of, of children ages five and six and 13 and 18 that stand for Christ and go through persecution and go through these beatings and tortures. And it changes the way I think about the persecuted church. Because it's not just another adult out there, it's children that are standing for the Lord and taking beatings and emotional abuse, physical abuse, separation from their families, these are the ones that are also um, being persecuted. It is not just adults. And I'm reminded that Jesus said in the New Testament, he said, let the children come unto me. And as we were praying, you know, we read in Timothy to, for the children to be an example of the believers that although they are young, sometimes their faith is more real than our tenured faith. Their witness, their commitment is stronger than ours is. And as we adjust this morning, we want to be aware and deal with the reality of those around the world that struggle just to own even a few pages of the Bible. To meet as we meet this morning to have fellowship and worship, to have a church. The cost around the world in many places of being a Christian, owning a Bible or a few parts of the Bible, meeting in secret worship, our physical beatings, torture, imprisonment, separation from family, and sometimes even death. We forget in our United States of tolerance and acceptance where everyone is told to just get along and accept everything. You know, you believe what you believe, I'll believe what I believe, and we'll all be happy that around the world, tolerance is not a way of life. Persecution is, and the cost is extremely high. We often forget in our American church, with our culture of acceptance and tolerance and embracing everything, that there is a satanic cultural trend to water down the Christian faith, to make us look like everybody else, to embrace those things that do not agree with the Bible, and to not stand for them. This is not a biblical approach to life. It is not a biblical way of living as a Christian to just embrace 
everything, whether it's occult, whether it's New Ageism, whether it's going to get advice from those things outside of the Bible or satanic things, it is not what it means to be Christian. Biblically, Christians are commanded and condemned for going outside of God's word and seeking sources outside of God himself for wisdom and direction. And this is not a new thing. It happened in the Old Testament. In fact, it's an age-old issue that began clear back in Genesis when the devil tried to get Eve to believe something different than what God told her, to twist and turn and water down the instructions that God gave her for her personal benefit. It's an age-old attack on, on Christianity. Most of these other religions around the world focus on one of several things. They focus on self-idolism because the focus is on your inner being and what comes as you look inside of yourself to see all that you are rather than looking at God to see all that he has created us to be. They are focused on feelings that often even in our state people are told to read different books other than the Bible and that you'll just feel that it's right or wrong. There are other religions that focus on strict legalism, that there are certain practices or mantras or things you need to do on a regular basis again and again and again, chants that you need to speak over and over again to reach holiness. And biblically, the truth is, these things are all an abomination. They are all an abomination. Christians are called to love those who are in these opposing beliefs, to pray for their salvation, to encourage them to know Jesus, to read the Word of God, to test the Scriptures historically to see if they are true. But we are not called to participate in what they do, to make way in our Christian faith to just dabble in it a little bit, to try it out, to see if it works. We are called to abstain from that and to stand firm in Christ. And in our society, especially in the United States, that is our persecution, our challenge, because as many of you know in the workplace and other places, that if you do not embrace everything, you are the bad person. Well, the fact is, this is not new either, because Jesus made the simple statement that the world rejected him. Therefore, if we choose to follow Jesus in salvation, doesn't it take like form that we too will be rejected by the world for the truth that we believe in? This should not be a shocker to us. It should not be a surprise. It should be a reality. This sounds like a hard approach, isn't it? To make these hard decisions to stand completely for Christ. But it's the way of Christ. It's the way that the Bible speaks of truth. Historically, there is either truth or there is falsehood. There is truth or myths. There is truth or other unbeliefs. And when you read through the Old and New Testament, the people of God are constantly told not to intermingle with the other gods and the other idols of the other cultures. 
There are strong judgments for that. Because God says that he is a jealous God, wanting those who are his to not betray him, but to stand only with him as in the marriage commitment. Simple truth is we are to stop believing in the lies that the world tells us, the cultural acceptance that the world tries to get us to buy into, to buckle down, to bend our knees to Christ, to ask for wisdom and direction, to dig into his word, to witness and share love with those others, and to glorify Christ. 2 Corinthians 6 tells us these simple words, gives us this simple instruction as Christians. 2 Corinthians 6.14 says, Do not be bound together with unbelievers. For what partnership has righteousness and lawlessness, and what fellowship has light with darkness? Do not, do not be bound together with unbelievers. When we read the word of God, there is a separation. And if we don't believe that, we can go to the Gospel of Matthew and read of the judgment where Jesus judges the nations at the end of the world and separates everyone as a sheep or a goat, a sheep being a follower of Christ, a goat being an unfollower of Christ. And for one, there is a blessings of reward in heaven for all eternity with Christ. And for the other, the truth is an eternity in hell. We need to realize that the Bible does speak of this separation of holiness and unholiness. And yet we live in a world filled with sin. But again, as the Word of God tells us, although we are in this world, we are not of this world. And as we travel through, and our lives are simply as short as a mist, the Bible says, some 80, 90, 100 years, that we are to stand for Christ. Not to take the world's way of uh, rationalizing our life here as the world says, hey, when in Rome, do what? As the Romans do. Christ says, no, when you are in a world filled with sin, be a light unto the world, a light that is not covered and stand firm for Jesus Christ. For really, for many, the reality is this, to be Christian is to create a dividing point in relationships. For those who choose to be Christian, it is also often a truth that if Jesus was not accepted by this world but rejected, we know that we too will be unaccepted and rejected. And that's okay. That's okay. Because either we stand for Christ in this life and give glory to him, or we buy into the cultural evolution of tolerance and acceptance. And those who stand for nothing will fall for everything, is the truth of what happens. If we call ourselves Christians, we must make choices sometimes in relationships that separate relationships. Not because we hate the other people, but because our beliefs do not intertwine with their beliefs, and we encourage others to seek the truth, to test the truth, and to come to salvation. Around the world, 
This is the issue that many are being forced to make a decision about. Do they go culturally with the world and the culture that they live in, the beliefs that they have all around them where Christianity is a minority? They could be rejected by their own family, their own culture, their own work. They could stand to have their homes destroyed, to be ridiculed and mocked as they walk down the marketplace. Many across the world have to face this decision. Do I stand for Christ and take the unacceptance and the rejection and whatever else goes with it? Or do I stand with my culture in the world? That is a separation that Christ has called us to. He has literally called us to come out of the darkness and be holy. And as we understand as Christians, the cost of discipleship is truly high. There was a cost for our salvation, which paid a debt that we could not pay. And there's a cost for being a Christian as well. And it is high. And many would see that as a negative thing, because in our culture, we do not like to suffer. We do not like pain. We do not like to be unaccepted or even rejected. But the question we too must face is, do I stand for Christ for a short amount of time to give glory to him? Or do I water down my faith to be accepted by the world, to buy in to other idols and self-idolism in essence, reject Christ, who paid for my sin. And we remember as we dig into this also that many of the individuals across the world making these difficult decisions are children. I am moved by the fact that in light of persecution, a child would choose Jesus and not buckle into cultural or social acceptance. That makes a statement. Over the 30 years of the Voice of the Martyrs and the Open Doors ministry, they have listed the phenomenon of the Christian persecution going on around the world, and it's alarming. Globally, more than 360 million Christians suffer at least high levels of persecution and discrimination for their faith. In 1993, Christians faced high to extreme levels of persecution in over 40 countries. In 2023, those 40 countries of high persecution have turned into 76. In the top 50 countries alone, 312 million Christians now face very high or extreme levels of persecution. Worldwide, one in seven Christians now experience high levels of persecution and discrimination. In Africa, one in five Christian faces high levels of persecution. In Asia, two out of five Christian faces persecution. And in Latin America, one out of 15 Christians, depending on where they live, face extremely high levels of persecution and discrimination. Today, we pause to deal with this reality, to move our hearts and minds and thoughts away from our life to intercede 
for those who are in this persecution. To stop praying and asking God today to meet our needs, to pray that God will meet their needs. Food, shelter, clothing, contentment, happiness. As I said earlier, the spiritual attack has been going on since the beginning of mankind, since the beginning of Genesis, when Satan first tempted Eve to water down God's word, to twist God's word, to say something that God did not say. In our 7,000 years of recorded history, it has been an issue. Christians have always been tempted to water down their faith, to buy into the societies, to avoid persecution, to avoid pain, to blend in with cultural conformity, whether it was Greece, Rome, Sodom, Gomorrah, Egypt, or buying into strict Levitical laws as a form of worship. All of this is a temptation for us to avoid pain and suffering, to avoid rejection, and yet we are called to reject these things especially the temptation to buy into them and to stand firm for Christ. This morning we focus on a young man by the name of Sejuan. We'll see his story in just a few minutes. Sejuan was four years old when his own father took him to a Buddhist monastery to, be, to live there, to be separated from his own family at four years of age, to not be with his family, but to be raised by Buddhist monks for the rest of his life. Sejuan had no choice in the matter or warning. His father simply grabbed, grabbed his hand one day, took him and dropped him off, and gave him away. He was there for nine years against his will, and all this time he was told to spend the entire time memorizing and reciting the Buddhist teachings. The writings that he studied spoke of peace and tranquility, but his teachers only brought pain with regular whippings upon his back. At 13, Sejuan planned and found his way out of the monastery. He came home to his own family, to his father only yelling at him and telling him how he was shamed, their entire family, because he did not complete his training. Next, his father took and enrolled him in the public school at age 13 in grade one. And that is where God intervened in this young man's life. One of his teachers was a Christian who treated him with respect and kindness and showed him the New Testament. Sent him home with the New Testament, but when his father caught him reading the Bible, he once again beat him physically with a stick. Because of the pain, Sejuan ran away from his own family, knowing that he would never be accepted by his father again. He met up with a Christian teacher who provided him a place to stay and schooling for him and kindness in the gospel message of salvation. And Sejuan's life was changed forever. It wasn't changed by memorizing specific worldly teachings. It wasn't changed by beatings. It was changed by the love and kindness of God shown through one man. So let's take a few minutes and watch the story of Sejuan's testimony and then we'll come back to our message.
quite a shocking video, isn't it? To realize that other people go through this, that these so-called other teachings of enlightenment and, and uh, peace is not always rainbows and unicorns, but actually, especially spiritually, the, re the reality is there is a high cost of being in his religions just to memorize and study and recite, memorize, study, recite, and that if you choose to live for Christ, aside from that self-motivation belief, that there is a cost for your faith. And once again, that there are children that are paying this cost for their faith. But as we saw in the story of Sedrun with his mother, that there is also a hope that God is using these young boys and girls to stand as a witness for Jesus. So how should we deal with these other religions and the things that disagree with the Bible? So again, we are called to pray for their salvation, to love them, but we are also called to speak the truth, the difference between their beliefs and our beliefs. We're to do as Proverbs 25, Romans 12, and Matthew 25 state that we, if we see our enemy is hungry, we give him food. If he is thirsty, we give him drink. And we are to show the kindness and the love of Christ to them to meet their needs, but not to participate in their beliefs or actions. We're to show them love through grace and to speak the truth of the gospel with a real heaven and a real hell, and that the only way of salvation is through the only begotten Son of Jesus Christ. If you'll turn with me to Matthew 5, we read in Matthew 5, and then John 8, and John 1. Matthew 5, verses 13 to 16, give us this instruction as Christians in how we deal with these other religions, how we deal with our cultural call to conformity it says you are the light of the earth but if or you are the salt of the earth but if the salt has become tasteless how will it be made salty again it is no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled underfoot by men you are the light of the world a city set on a hill cannot be hidden nor does anyone light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a lampstand. And it gives light to all those who are in the house. Therefore, let your light so shine before men in such a way that they may see your good works and glorify your Father who is in heaven. And we realize that this is being spoken to us as Christians. And some people say, well, I'm not qualified. I don't have a... a Christian school education or a master's of divinity degree. I haven't taken the Bible studies to learn how to do this. Do you see anything in those verses where God says that you need to do this? And he doesn't say you're going to become this. He says you are the salt in this world. You are the light in this world. And if you've come to salvation, you have all that you need to share and witness because the Holy Spirit fills us and gives us wisdom and discernment and shows us to have love and grace and a tender heart. John 8, 12 goes on to state this. 
Then Jesus spoke to them again, saying, I am the light of the world. He who follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. Jesus is the light, and in salvation, he passes that light onto us to share that gospel message. He's showing us that we are the ambassadors to show the rest of the world how to come out of spiritual darkness and sin and unholiness. Jesus is telling us that the world tells us a lie that all roads lead to heaven. There is only one way to lead to heaven, and it is through grace, through the torture, death, crucifixion of Christ and his rising from the grave, overcoming hell and death itself, that we can have salvation. There is a real spiritual war going on, and our brothers and sisters across the world fight it much more strongly than we do. John 1 tells us this, starting in verse 1. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He came in the beginning with God, and all things came into being through him. And apart from him, nothing came into being that has come into being. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness did not comprehend it. There came a man sent from God whose name was John, and he came as a witness to testify about this light, so that all might believe through him that he was not the light, but he came to testify about the light being Jesus. There was the true light which coming into the world enlightens every man. He was in the world, and the world was made through him, and the world did not know him. Jesus came to his own, and those who were his own did not receive him. But as many as received him, to them he gave the right to become the children of God, even to those who believe in his name, who were born not of blood, nor of the will of flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. It is so amazing to think about how many people, even in the church, are fooled and deceived by the things that are not of the Bible, with the cultural call of tolerance and acceptance to water down our faith and to not stand for God. Again, many of these men and women that do this, do this out of desperation, out of fear, of pain, out of fear of rejection, but they also do it out of ignorance because they have not dug into the Word of God to see what the truth of God's Word is. And even though sometimes they claim they are Christian, they allow their faith to be watered down, they will not dig into the Word of God to see what the truth says. This is where God calls us to study His Word, to know what His Word says, to know that being persecuted for Christ should not be a what? A surprise. Again, as Jesus was rejected, those who follow him will be rejected because so many do not want to hear the truth. 
They want to have control. They want to feel as though they have some sense of power. They want to seek their own enlightenment and, and, and their own righteousness. They want to have a religion on their own terms. Even the Bible tells us that in the, end, the last days, that people will not stand for nor hear the truth of the word of God, but they will want to hear those who have messages that what? Tickle their ears. In other words, messages that speak to the things that they want to hear, that don't speak with hard truths and hard realities, and encourage Christians to stand for Christ the way he's called us to. We see it in our culture today, in other churches, that you can go to a church and it doesn't matter what you believe as long as you attend there and don't make waves with anybody else, you're a member. That is not the way of the Bible and it never has been throughout all of history. It is not the way that these persecuted Christians, men, women, boys and girls across the world stand for Christ. As they read the word of God, they take God's word literally and apply it to their lives. Matthew 7 tells us this truth about the way of being a Christian, whether it is here in America or in a country where your faith is persecuted. Matthew 7, 13 and 14 tells us this. Jesus says, enter through the narrow gate, for the gate is wide and the way is broad that leads to destruction. And there are many who enter into it, for the gate is small, and the way is narrow that leads to life, and there are few who find it. There are many who allow their faith to be watered down to seek alternate religions or new age practices or other things to blend in with their society to be accepted. And as the Bible says, that way is easy. That way is wide and broad because there's no cost. The way to salvation through Jesus Christ is narrow. And if you've ever traveled a narrow, winding road in the mountains, you know it's easy to slip and fall one way or the other, that you have to keep your eyes focused on the path because it changes and turns. And it's not as easy as the cattle call of the way of the world. The Bible also tells us that as we've read these words and we know this, this truth of Christ that we have been warned on how we are to live. And this is a loving message that God gives us in this warning. As the Bible says that God is patient that none would perish. That his desire is that all would come to salvation even with this cost. But I'll tell you this truth, the cost to not come to salvation, to not stand for Christ in eternity is much higher. Much higher. The Bible says because we have heard the truth, we are now without excuse to live the truth. In Matthew, when Jesus separates the sheep and the goats, those who are separated into the class of the goats who have rejected Christ out all these excuses of when Lord did we see you because if we saw you we would have done all these things Lord when did you reveal yourself to us because if we knew it was you we would have applied it and lived it and he simply says when you saw those in need you did not respond 
And you did not do it unto the least of these. You did not do it unto me. So we know the truth. And this morning we pray for those around the world in the persecuted church. We pray for men and women, grandparents who stand for truth and possibly lose their family. We pray for young boys and young girls like Sedgwin who receive the truth and love and grace and kindness and willingly face separation from their family and speak the truth and invite others to come to know the truth of Jesus Christ. Today, we pray for truth to be proclaimed, that God would make us instruments of his righteousness, that we would stand firm for Jesus Christ and not allow our faith to be watered down, not to choose the wide, easy way of the world, but the narrow path that leads to life. We choose and pray and intercede for our brothers and sisters across the world to be the light of the world as Jesus is the light of the world, that many would come to salvation. We pray that God would be the lifter of their head, that he would be their all in all, that he would be their contentment, and that they would not look to the sufferings of this world and the things that they face to follow Christ, but they would look and rejoice the blessings of heaven when they once will stand before Jesus and he will welcome them into the kingdom of God and say, well done, well done. We too, I pray, would stand with them and be entered into the kingdom of heaven as we stand together as Christians. So please join me this morning and the rest of the afternoon to pray for those, to be conscious of those in the persecuted church, that God would minister to them and meet all of their needs and that we would see life like they do that this life is only a brief opportunity to stand for Christ and then to share an eternity with Jesus himself personally. Let us pray. Father in heaven, we thank you for this time. We thank you for the reminder of those who literally give their lives for you. Not only are they willing to die for you, but they are willing to live for you even under duress and pain or beatings or separation or whatever that may be. We pray that you would encourage them and strengthen them, that again, as we said, you would be their all in all. You would be their everything. The lifter of their head, their contentment, their encouragement, their boldness. We thank you for their witness, and we intercede and lift them up to you into your hands, Jesus, and pray your blessings upon them. In Jesus' name.